The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Joel, was that a threat? Josh, end the podcast before he reveals our secrets. Wait, you're angry that a man got healed? <laughs> you're mean. <laughs> Peter's a Calvinist. Okay, give it up. Only if you'll call him Pope. <laughs> no. Wait, Calvin or Peter? Yeah. <laughs> I'll sell you holy water for five dollars. All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the podcast, Second Rate Saints. To my left is Joshua, and to my left is I'm Joel, and to my left it's me, Caleb. Again, we are missing Colton and Stuart. It's very, very sad. But uh, Joel, yeah, we do things on the internet, and they can be found there. What uh, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, go to secondratesaints.com if you want to check out everything we're doing online. We've got our weekly episodes, we've got book reviews, um, and we've got more stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, you can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, yeah, basically everywhere where thoughts are found. And um, if you'd like to support the uh, the podcast financially, um, go to buymeacoffee.com slash second rate states. Yeah. Awesome. That that keeps getting longer. Yes. It's a- yeah. And now um, our next part of this episode, <laughs> as we do, uh, is tradition for second rate saints. Um Josh, what have you read? I have read a book called The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity by Michael J. Kruger. Okay. Um, This sounds familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Because I also read the book. (laughs) Yes. At at my suggestion. Well, yeah. He he didn't make me, but. (laughs) You're right. You're right. asked me to. Um, So he does a good job is there isn't a Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. It's just kind of like a funny term. But um, what he does is he goes through like 10 major ideas within progressive Christianity, which like liberal Christianity, same term, sorry, different terms for the same thing. Mm. Um, Caleb covered that in his book against liberal theology. Wasn't my book. It was my report on the book, but yes. (laughs) Yes. It was a good, it was a good book. I also read that one, um, which pairs really well with this one. So if you hopping down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what he does well is. Whereas against liberal theology guy, what's the author of that? Roger Olson. Roger Olson. What he does well, as you described, was he goes like in depth into like the history, tons of terms and like gives you the whole language. Whereas this guy really just gives you like, it's like four pages on each point and it's very quick. This is wrong. Here's why. Mm -hmm. Would you say he gets into like the values of it? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's strictly. And so like, the first one is Jesus is a model for living more than an object of worship is one of the points. So like it, it gets into like, we should live like Jesus. We should be like him. We should see him as a model. Not that he died for us. Not that he's a God worth worshiping. Mm. And it gets into what you said and what the other guy highlights in his book, Roger Olson is that it's, Oh, they actually deny the incarnation. They, they deny that he's God. Yeah. To so in so many ways, mm-hmm. they deny the substitutionary atonement because to do so would be evil. Yeah, um, you and, get the critique of like, well, then God's just a cosmic child abuser. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then you get, I, and then so like down the list, just going over them is like affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. Hmm. The work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments. Gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Hmm. And what you also see is that like, these are the statements of progressive Christianity and they poorly attack Christian eth- the Christian ideals. Mm-hmm. Like gracious behavior is more important than right belief. Sure. Gracious behavior can only be achieved when it's paired with right belief. Yeah. But also right belief, you have no right action. You're right. But also like, like we've talked about uh, theological triage, Mm. right? Like there's, there's certain beliefs that must be right. And then there's other things that churches can disagree on. We can have cogent conversations and we can, we can be nice to each other. You don't need to have right belief all the way down the line. And so it's like there, there's a lot of unfairness in these discussions. Like the work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments, stuff like that. It's like we're not just making judgments. It's we're holding our brothers accountable, mm-hmm. helping each other be the best versions that we can be. And so it's stuff like that where it's like, but like, how can you make reconciliation? Oh, they don't actually mean reconciliation. They mean just don't talk about the problem. Mm. Yeah. Right. If there's no conflict and then there's no issue. Well, so much of those um, Ten Commandments are tied up into the rebuttal of absolute truth, Mm -hmm. right? That there can be no such thing as a purely true statement, right? Um, That everything that is not kind of wishy-washy and all-accepting is fundamentalism and should be destroyed. Yeah. And I think what Olson and and this guy Kruger are making a case for is a an understanding middle ground, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause the, the problem actually, I, I dislike the term progressive Christianity um, more so than I dislike liberal Christianity. I think liberal Christianity is the way I would personally classify it. Yeah. Um, just because that has more of the like theological connotation to it. Mm-hmm. Whereas progressive Christianity is more of the ideological <laughs> relationship yeah. to progressivism. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I guess progressivism works if the, only purpose is to progress towards some other goal. But well, progressive Christianity can be good. There are some people moving away from fundamentalism that that is a progressive yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Right. The, and the problem I would say though, is that they've, they've taken the term. So like, if I say like, as a Christian, I'm progressive. Yeah. Then no one's going to understand what I'm saying. If I mean that I'm getting away from bad theology. Mm they'll they'll only see that i'm a progressive christian Mm. and so like they they've co-opted the term and so like we shouldn't let them take terms away from the true definition and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. we also have to deal with the historical language fact which is it's theirs right now so i think liberal christianity works because it's not in motion yeah whereas progressive christianity if you if you talk to someone and they say well i'm i'm kind of in a more progressive theology that could be in relation to their last thought more so Mm -hmm. than their relation to the entire culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like Mm -hmm. it, I don't know. It just, it kind of gives the progressive Christians the middle ground where I don't think they have the middle ground. They are a, something of a far left in theology, like theological terms. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It's, it's ideology before theology. Mm -hmm. So both of you guys have read this book. Yeah. Who would you recommend it towards? Ooh. Um, I would recommend it actually towards youth leaders. Yeah. Um, this would be a great 
tool for youth leaders to go over with youth, like in small groups, mm. because it's, it's simple. It's four pages. Like you can get a youth to like read this in a week. Like, like one of these four pages per chapter, four pages saying, per yeah. chapter. So like you can get like, buy a ton of these, give them to your youth group and then like small groups and then like just read four pages in a week. Like that's super simple. Yeah. Um, and then, or even just the leader, but like being able to get them to talk about this stuff mm-hmm. because of its rise in, and this is only really important for Western Christianity right now. Nobody in Africa is going to care about this book. Yeah. So. I think it, uh, it also kind of calls it some of the things that Colton was talking about when he did that, uh, lies we believe about God. Yeah. A lot of those things yep. are kind of interwoven. Um, one thing that I, well, I also read against liberal theology this week as well. So like the thoughts kind of meld a little bit for me, mm-hmm. but one thing that I found he, they kind of both touched on was that um, true liberal theology disagrees in kind, whereas this kind of softer progressive Christianity disagrees in degree. Yeah. Right. So there's one of these things where it's like moral influence theory works for a progressive Christian who agrees in degree that there is a huge amount of what Christ did on the cross that is to influence our moral action. But where we actually, where moral influence theory becomes Mm -hmm. a ridiculous kind of heresy is when it starts to disagree in kind that that is the only thing he was meant to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Well, the thing I noticed with the pattern in liberals against liberal theology was he was like, yeah, they make really good cases. They make good positive cases for things and whether they're right or wrong, they have a decent argument, Mm -hmm. but then they deny Mm-hmm. It's not the fact that it's like moral yeah. influence. It's the fact that it's explicitly not penal substitution. Yeah. yeah. Or explicitly not Jesus is fully God. Yeah. Whereas there are, and I would, I would, I do agree. There are things though that makes progressive Christianity heretical. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's inherent agnosticism specifically yeah. towards absolute truth. But it, but yeah. And it's, but it is the denial of the incarnation. There is a denial of, uh, of the purpose of Christianity being the worship of God mm. and relationship. And I want to change what I'm about to say. And our proper place, our rightness with God. Um, do you think that the fundamentalists mm-hmm. who see this and they say, well, that stems from their beginning to doubt that all of God's word is literally true and by that they normally mm-hmm. mean plainly um and that when um when inerrancy goes this is the natural consequence i th- i i think they'll see that yeah um the though you to, to i guess my question is to what degree because because the fundamentalist cry there is there's a certain legitimacy to it yep um, how much of that position that you guys are describing in that mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. that progressive or liberal Christians have come to really does um, not boil down to how, but how much is their, their jettison of the authority of God's word um, play into the position that they've now landed at? at? I mean, that's the point Kruger makes is, is that they do not believe the Bible is inherent in, in inherently 
inspired. Yeah. Um, and that because of that, they, they actually have no ground to stand on because they're claiming that people don't understand how to read the Bible. And yet they, they also are willingly to immediately disqualify passages mm-hmm. like the, his discussion on love and sex on, we should care more about love than we do sex. And he's like that. Sure. If it wasn't the case that the God who is love cares a lot about sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but they completely just disqualify passages. And so, yeah. Well, cause he actually, I love that chapter that yeah. he writes because um, he actually breaks it down into four rhetorical steps mm-hmm. where the first one is um, you make it seem not that bad. And then you make it, yeah. the second step is you make it seem that God doesn't really care about it. And then yeah. he like, he kind of break, keeps breaking it down. And then you, make, I, I and then you per say that, but. then you argue that the thing that is claimed to be bad by other Christians is actually look at the good that it does. Mm-hmm. Look at the little bit, like, look, people are happy. Look, people, the... People are not ostracized if we allow this. Yeah. Like this, this is good. They don't feel oppressed. They don't yeah. feel all that stuff. And so like you see that rhetorical progression into it's not sinful. Ah, yeah. And so, and it's any like the, any, any does that in like 300 words describes that whole idea. So both of you, seeing how you both read it mm-hmm. one to five, what do you think? Three and a half. Four because of approachability. Okay. True. I'm mm. going to change my answer to four. Yeah. Cover. Cover, though. I'm going to give it a two. Mm. Yeah, it looks like a math book. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> it does. It looks terrible. But yeah. um, I, I think that against liberal theology, which naturally pairs with it, mm. um, is, is better. But this one is more approachable. Yeah. Took me an afternoon. L- if I would, the other ones, I don't know. The image in my head is like, if you wanted to pair them well in like a church setting, if like youth leaders read the, the 10 commandments of progressive Christianity in their like small groups, but yeah. then like if the youth pastor led talks every time they met and he read against liberal the- theology and you, and so like he could feed into mm-hmm. the conversation mm-hmm. between them. The, the deeper stuff and then they could deal with the yeah the smaller stuff fair enough okay cool what's the uh title and author again the 10 commandments of progressive christianity by michael j kruger i think it's time that we uh we finally carry on with our axe episode there <laughs> josh Joel. don't you think yeah, yeah yeah awesome um i've got some verses here that i'm gonna read is that okay i think so I think that's the that's the goal. Let's if you have a little better, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't noticed, we're continuing on with our Acts episode because that's you know the title of the yep. of the podcast that you clicked on. Um, but previously on Acts on a- in Acts on Acts in Acts in Acts in Acts, yeah. What uh, what happened? Uh, do you want me to do that again, like in the Samuel series? Sure. Okay, if you let's want to. go. Um, Let the fire fall. <laughs> so ah. we started the book of Acts and we covered chapters one and two. And in chapter one, we discussed the promise of the Holy Spirit. There was an introduction from Luke to this guy named Theophilus. And we discussed if he's a real man or not. Um, we then talked about Jesus's ascension and his promise of the king coming kingdom coming, but also not telling them when, and then it does <laughs> connections to Daniel connections to Daniel, the Holy Spirit descends connections to the tower of Babel story beautiful connections um, and to the feasts of the law and 
God reuniting all the peoples from the diaspora back to the kingdom. Beautiful, like hope. Also judgment. Um, Peter's banger sermon. Oh, Peter's great sermon on David. Yep. Um, using prophetic typology. Just beautiful. Um, and then it ends with, oh, sorry. But then all the Pharisees there, a bunch of the Pharisees there convert, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Um, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then you got the fellowship of the believers and we discussed the relationship between the church growing. This is the first instance where you see the whole, there's converts, there's people that, these are the first people that like probably didn't meet Jesus. Like, yeah, these are the, this is the church starting and it brings us to chapter three, which we will read now. Now on the book of Acts. (laughs) Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms and Peter directed the gaze at the hymn as did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Sorry, I read a little head there. That's okay. Just carry on to to verse 10. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognizing him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I love that. uh, Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. There's that, uh, that quote that I've been, talking about because i think did you bring it up I someone did. brought it up yeah, yeah. you want to go it. through it then okay so it was it's, uh it's it's a conversation between augustine Tom, oh i thought it was thomas aquinas it is aquinas sorry it's yeah. aquinas. aquinas and one of the bishops and it's something that they're fighting or whatever and, and he says the church used to be able to because oh, it's at the vatican yes the church can no longer say silver and gold have i none and then Either he responds or something to the effect of neither can we say get up and walk. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're looking at the Vatican and its beauty and its construction. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, the church is, it's, it's at a different stage. Yeah. 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 Um, Anyways, I think about that too often. Because it's a funny imagery. Um, What do you guys think? So the, the temple Mm -hmm. gate that he's at is likely the gate into, um, The woman, the women and the, uh, the Gentile court. Yeah. Um, there was two options historically mm -hmm. for this because there's the one into the woman's, which is probably the last remaining section of Solomon's original construction. Like that's why people loved it so much and called it beautiful was because it was still in that old architecture, not of the second temple, but of the first temple, not of Herod's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if it's if it's that one and not the inner one 
from that court into the further inner court. Um, I've read where he, if he's a cripple, he may not be allowed any further than the court of the women and yeah. uh, Gentile court, which makes sense. But if he's outside of it, then he's just simply standing at the gate because it's like, ah, oh, this is where the people come, this is where the money yeah. is. Well, yeah, no, and it makes sense. And the imagery, the connection there is with the law of the idea of nobody with blemish or brokenness can enter, mm-hmm. um, which is the beauty of the Holy Spirit's power with Christ. Well, it's, it's yeah. the, it's the women with continual bleeding. Yeah. That's the, that's the, the connection s- point in Jesus ministry to that, that story in the law. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the holiness of Christ actually not only goes out from the temple, but she can actually approach and is made clean yeah. by God's holiness rather than her defilement brings defilement. Yeah. And just, yeah, that the temple is no longer prepared, but we're prepared for the temple kind of an idea. Mm. Yeah. Right, that the Holy Spirit's upon the individual well, now. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, and so like what's cool about that is there's descriptions of the other gate is it was coated in a type of bronze that was considered more beautiful than gold because of mm. the way it was polished and the specific coloring of the bronze itself. It wasn't normal bronze. Um, and that was why it was so like, known um which is cool so when people you know regain control over their muscles they have to relearn how to use them if this guy was born lame he's never walked at all he is he hasn't developed the coordination and so he does just get up and walk are you saying that there's a hidden miracle ah (laughs) i mean it's written right there he just walks (laughs) so it's like not really hidden it's i guess uh, it's assumed it's an assumed miracle. Double miracle. Double miracle. Kind of yeah. like the kind of like the 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 Sea of Reeds. Mm-hmm. Like how <clears throat> the um Israelites just pass by on dry land. Yet if it's reeds, then it's not the deepest thing in the world, but the entire Egyptian army's drowned in it. Mm-hmm. So hmm. here's the thought I had. It's kind of some to like I'm just saying there's a du- if, double miracle. If you have like if you were given the superpower, super strength, right? You're also given the superpower of durability because if your muscles were stronger, Oh, my ligaments you, would just snap in half. <laughs> yeah. Your bones would break, your skin would tear like all those things. So you're also getting a double power of resilience. Um, it's kind of the same thing. So you're saying Peter's giving him superpowers. Yeah. Cool. No, the, the Holy spirit is not Peter. Well, it does say what I have, I give unto thee. Yes. Why was that King James? I don't even have King James in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, what's cool is you're seeing Peter now, like, and we saw this in the last chapter, but you're seeing him start to take on more of that role. Like he's seriously taking on Jesus's command to him to feed the sheep, to take care of people, to lead to take charge. Yeah. And he is like, he's not passively there or he's doing the job. Well, isn't it kind of a fulfillment of, uh, of Christ saying, and you will do even greater miracles than these, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I guess that's what he has. If you want to like Mm -hmm. say what I have, I give unto you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I well, it's cool. Um, it appears, and we'll, we'll get into this more when Peter yeah. uh, responds to the Sanhedrin. 
But similar to how Jesus heals the um, the man who is descended down from to yeah. prove, to prove that he has authority to forgive sins, mm-hmm. which is a, it's comparable to this story, right? Lame man can't walk, healed. Yeah. Rise and walk, take up your bed and walk. Um, this proves if the healing is done in Jesus' name, which we will get into later, mm-hmm. that Jesus really is glorified yeah. at the right hand of God. Yeah. And so the, the the miracle proves something. Yeah. Is it's is it's not only just a sign, but it's a it's a it's a testimony too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What do you guys think this has to say about uh healing ministries? <laughs> Um, I right. think we'll get into it, but <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. The I'll sell you holy water for five dollars. <laughs> it depends on what you mean by healing ministries, for sure. right? Like we all know that, but like some people might not. But it's like there's there's the scams, Peter yeah. Popoff and the like. Yeah. But then there's like actual charismatic ministries where people are healed. Yeah, yeah. this is true. <laughs> I I do like sure. I do like it when churches have like once a month. Or once every, like, it's a scheduled thing where it's like, yeah, this is where, you know, mm-hmm. elders of the church, like elders within mm-hmm. the church, um, come and receive prayer, anointing, anointing of oil for the, for the sick, mm-hmm. and we'll pray for healing because that's something we expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, I do like that. Yeah. Is the that problem- what you're talking about? Or are you talking about Popoff? No, I, I was talking about like legitimate yeah. healing. Okay. Ministries. Like how, yeah. how do we pray for, for healing yeah. and, and things yeah. like that? It, um, it, I do understand that there's like the, hey, can I have some healing? <laughs> Not until I have some silver and gold kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. And yeah. it's the, it's a lot of healing that we see in the New Testament is, or like with Jesus, is when God leads somebody to somebody that he's, that that needs the healing in the moment for God's purposes. Like a lot of Jesus's miracles of healing. There's the. There's the the moments where he heals the blind man. There's the moments where he heals the the leprous man. There's the moments where he heals the guy that tells him to get up. The all these things, and it's always predicated on this idea of for this moment, mm. right? But then you've also got the and he healed the sick of the of the crowds. Yeah, like there's there's those moments as well. They brought him all who were sick. Yeah, and you see that with the disciples as well. The they people just get brought or they touch the hem of their cloak or stuff like that. Um, and they light up to get in Peter's shadow. Yeah. And so there, there, there's two kinds of groups. There's one where it's the healing of individuals for specific moments, because this is the hour and the place for God to act and to show for scriptural reasons, but also for universal teaching lessons. And then you've also got the other ones where it's, yeah, this is the new life. Now mm-hmm. the new creation has touched this world here. What does mm-hmm. it mean? If he, if he was at the beautiful gate, mm-hmm. the majority of his life, Jesus walked by him and didn't heal him. Mm-hmm. I, I would say it's the first kind that I mentioned that like with the other man, Reese, he says, why was this man born mm-hmm. lame? Right. He said for this hour, so that the son of man could, could yeah. be glorified. And, and that's, and that's to, to talk about how he has authority over yeah. the Sabbath. Yeah. Um, and so the same thing here is Jesus walked past him knowing that Peter would heal him for that moment in the, of the early church. Yeah. Because that's what was planned by the father and Jesus does what the father does. And so would Peter eventually. Yeah. And that, that, 
that would have been so interesting for Jesus to walk past him with the disciples, knowing that the buffoon to the left of him is going to be the one that takes charge (laughs) and heal that man. But, Mm -hmm. but no one knows that. Well, I think it's, it's the, we'll get there when we get this Peter sermon. Yeah. Jumping ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, but imagine being this man. Like you've been lame from birth and like, like he's jumping and praising God. Mm. Yeah. Like that, that happiness. That's. <clears throat> and then yeah. everybody going around just be like, what Wait, just happened? Are you the, you're the guy. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> I'm the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Could you imagine seeing the other guy that got healed by Jesus? <laughs> Why am I at this gate? <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Okay. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's or Solomon's portico. And when Peter saw it and he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied on the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead to this. We are witnesses and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Whoa. What a intro. (laughs) Yeah, that comes up kind of swinging. Here's the thing he does, but then is it, is it in this one? I think it's, or is it in the, oh, it's the immediate next verse. Never mind. The immediate next verse. He's like, this you did in your ignorance. Yeah. So he does just come out swinging and he's like, you, you guys just didn't know any better. <laughs> but you do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a. I would, I just love the image of someone like running up to Peter. It's like, wow, did you just heal him? He goes, you killed Christ. And it's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That escalated real quick. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I I love the image of the guy clinging to Peter and John. Like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Like, you, you've you seen scenes like this in movies where the person is just, like, hugging the man after he did something, like, yeah. like saved his kid or whatever. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, yeah. just like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does become a problem for them later on in Acts where they're like followed, right? Um, mm-hmm. By a little bit of an entourage, right? That's more Paul. That's that more happens. Paul, but it does. That is a problem for Paul. That is a problem that the apostles <laughs> run into, right? Um, so I, I wonder if that happened here. I wonder yeah. if they gained a little bit of a following. Well, I, I think that as we'll see that this man... What do you think yeah. of verse 16 where it's by his name, by faith in his name and he, his name by faith in his name? Yes. Yeah. To this, we are witnesses and his name by faith in his name has made this. Man. I think what he's saying is it's both. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's 
the name is what say what he let me the name has made this man strong but also by faith in the name it has he has been made strong yes or it's peter messing up <laughs> and like catching himself my my question <laughs> is do in that verse do you think that it's a reference to both the faith in the individual mm-hmm. and the external power of God working through the, through the world in general, right? Is what causes and brings about the miracle. Or do you think it's by his name? And then he like kind of clarifies, but by faith in his name, mm-hmm. like just to be clear, this I is think, what it means. I think it's the first, the first thing you said, okay. it's the name and the faith. But also as we know, you're going to say sola fide. no, no, I was gonna say uh, that's faith, fine. That's faith fine is a gift did. given by God. Ah, yes, it is. So very good, very good. Yeah. So does the here's something that I've always been kind of confused by. Um, how in the world does the blind beggar have faith in Christ when there is no? They don't even say that's even the oh, name that they're doing it in. I have an answer. Right, because he does just say like silver and gold have I none, but this I give to you. And he must be like, oh, awesome. What is it? Like, it's not prosthetics. <laughs> like, what's, I don't know. It's can, can I, wild. can I give a wild, like, sure. Uh, flex my um, degree in biblical theology to give long and winded answers. Well, I also have a degree in biblical theology. So you're kind of flexing over me a little bit. <laughs> no, no, whatever. no. You're going to meet, you're going to be like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. I okay. certainly hope so. Are you going to give a long winded answer? Hopefully not too long winded. Hopefully not as long okay. as this explanation. <laughs> Hopefully not as long as this free. <laughs> okay. Well, Continue. Okay. The faith of Abraham. What is the faith of Abraham? Um, the obedience to God. Faith in the promise. Faith in Belief the promise. in the promise that God will do what he offers and that he says that he will do to his covenant. That he is faithful to but his covenant and to his promises. But it's obedience that is credited to him as righteousness. Yes, that's true. No, okay. it's, but his faith is... Ra- is You're coming from Faith Hebrews is proven. Faith is, his faith is proven. By his, his obedience. By his obedience. Okay. But it's the faith yeah. in God's promises. And I think that that carries on through, and that's kind of Paul's main argument in both Galatians, Galatians and Romans, right? This is why the same faith, this is why it is the yeah. same type of faith that we share with Abraham is we have the faith that God will fulfill his promises. His promises that he actually already has fulfilled Properly, we have been justified because the the sacrifice has occurred in Christ. Mm -hmm. We are adopted as sons because Christ is the son, right? And so there's, there's a, the promises have already been accomplished in Christ. And that there's a slight difference between Abraham to us in that. But otherwise it's the same type of faith. God has promised. We know he is faithful. We have faith that God will fulfill his promises. Mm -hmm. Cool. Go to this scene. Yeah. Does the guy have faith that when Peter says, stand up and walk, that he's like, this guy's going to, this guy's going to heal me. That this is, this is the promise because the argument would be that the faith that Abraham has in God's promises, the faith in the promises of God, the faithfulness of God is faith in Christ. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It's the same faith that, that faith because Christ faith in God throughout time is faith in Christ because he is the promise fulfilled in every way. Yeah. 
And that is why the ministry of the church is still faith in Christ. It is the mm-hmm. reconcili- It is the ministry of reconciliation in the church, which is the body of Christ. This is why Paul can, Paul can say, and we continue his ministry. And we continue his ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to think about that one some more. Because okay. I don't know if I, if I buy into it entirely. Really? What parts? I mean, it is the argument. Tell me the weakness. <laughs> Don't say it's the argument that Paul has in the Bible. <laughs> that's just what the Bible says. No, I was going to say it's also the argument in Hebrews chapter eleven. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's where I was thought you guys were yeah. trying that entirety from. So no, just, no, no, no. I was going to pull it from chapter eleven, but that's why Caleb and I are different people. So, but that's we not why we that's have, how. <laughs> no, we. <laughs> <laughs> Why we're different people? Let's not get caught up in grammar when we're having a semantics argument. <laughs> that feels like the conversation too. No. Um, does um, that somewhat answer your question, even if you don't like it or totally convinced? Well, I mean, just it then kind of faith in the church is faith in Christ. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't immediately. The church grab is his that. body. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Um, did it made the connection <laughs> but having faith in the first pope is not like direct i didn't say the first pope <laughs> but that is what is no as is no, what the bible that, says yeah, no, no, no but that is a, not it. that is a great counter <laughs> are we are we hang on josh are we are we uh, making an argument for catholicism right now that's, that's no. my pushback no i don't no, I, I don't don't think so see one of the issues with because it could have been oh. john that did it, it could, yeah it could have been john that did it one of the things that People that fear highly articulating what is the body of Christ and what is the church just sometimes, and I'm not saying this is what you're doing, but there's a, there's a tradition of devaluing, um, let's say unification with Christ, the church as the fullness of Christ, the church as the body of Christ, like in what is it? Ephesians, what? One twenty or two something early Ephesians. But can you have faith in the church without having the knowledge of Christ? And I don't think there's a case for the lame beggar having the knowledge of Christ. Can I? Yes. You're right. You're right. However, how is Abraham still in the fa- still in the, the body of faith of, of the Bible? How is Abraham our father in faith? How is Abraham still in like the, 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 the same position as us before God? Yeah. It's, it's belief in the promise. Yeah. Yeah. And same with, um, there are, like there are some people that Jesus healed that had no understanding of him being the Christ. Just that they, they, he, he asked them, do you believe that I can heal you? Like the Roman centurion, maybe, but yeah. we don't know what he believes, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not arguing Christ can't heal people. <laughs> and I'm not even arguing the <laughs> apostles can't, but he, I'm saying it doesn't fully make sense. But he also presents that is because they didn't have faith. With the other nine guys, when the one guy comes back, mm, yeah. right? And he said, they didn't have faith. So my, my thought has always been that it is Peter's faith that heals the individual. I don't think that that but lines up. It doesn't line up because it, does says, it? it says by your faith, you were healed kind of a thing. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just always been hard for me to, to parse out that mm-hmm. scenario. I oh, might be showing I mean, my hand a this, little bit, but. It's not easy because this gets into a lot. This is why faith healing has problems it's because it's not mechanical <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah well because like also as you read in ephesians faith is a gift 
from God mm-hmm. so that we cannot boast. So you then run into the problem of, well, is it his own faith? Is it the faith given by God? Is it regeneration? Is it mm-hmm. like, yeah. how can he have faith before regeneration? Yeah. Yeah. So, stuff like that. And so, hmm. but it seems to be, if you want to break it down, it's faith and the name of God. Okay. As Paul actually just says, yeah. sorry, Peter. Shall we continue? Oh, also, you killed the author of life. Yeah, let's focus on that for a little bit. (laughs) That is an insane phrase. Like, cool, awesome, deep, but also, like, wild. Also, that's one of those verses for me. Yeah. When it's like, okay, people will say, oh, but, like, late Christianity had high Christology. Late early Christianity. Late church fathers had high Christology. The author of life? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty high Jesus Christological Christ, articulation. Jesus Christ, the man, created everything? Interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's part of the, the early church kerygma that people are a little bit surprised by, right? Because we have this, this notion that uh, Christ was a man and remained a man until he was deified. And it's like, no, not at all. Yes. We know immediately that he is the author of life. Also, um, from very early on. Yeah, you killed, you denied the holy and righteous one. Those two are phrases throughout the Bible that are references to God. Yes. And so he, not only that, he's directly relating, he's directly calling Christ God. Yeah. The God of the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like not modalism, but cool. Yeah. And so you also get the, what I think is cool is the, when he says to this, we are witnesses, right? Yes, they were, they witnessed the death, but they're also witnesses in the covenant. Oh, don't worry. We're getting there. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get there. Yeah. Because for a covenant to be established, as you know, Joel, which we've talked about a bunch on this podcast, you need witnesses. Yes. Hmm. That's like at the with the Deuteronomic. Yeah. Uh, how covenant. does how does how does Moses and God's covenant in what Genesis? Because this was the initiation. Uh, because sorry, fifteen work where he goes as a flaming cauldron. Yeah. There's there's that, but then but I don't and, think there's any witnesses in that because you know Moses not Moses because Abraham's just fast asleep. <laughs> Yes. Moses isn't born yet. <laughs> yes. But the idea of when Moses says the stars and the rocks and that's right, that's are witnesses right. to this covenant. And it's the idea of these, these eternal things that are, that will witness the covenant forever. Yeah. And creation witnesses is a, is a constant witness against man's sin. Yeah. You see that as a theme throughout. Yeah. And the disciples being the witnesses is because they're saved in Christ with eternal life. They are eternal witnesses to this eternal covenant. Yes. And yeah, he's going to explicitly cool. get yeah. into that late in the next set of verses. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And you've got the. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's it's it deep, deep covenantal theology. I was about to say, you guys are way more reformed than I am. So uh, <laughs> maybe I'm missing a lot of the covenantal yeah. stuff. But um, shall I continue reading? Yes. Yeah. Please. We didn't want to say anything more about the author of life. It's just so cool. I could get, <laughs> I, we could get into it more. There's a, what is it? G- GK Beale, I think has a whole section of it in. Yeah. 
um, commentary on the New Testament's use of the Old Testament. Great book, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but it gets like into the bunch of Greek, and I don't really want to right here. Yeah. If you're interested into, into Paul using or Peter using such an awesome term mm -hmm. and how that might have connections to other thoughts in Judaism, check that out. Um, yes, let me continue and finish Peter's sermon. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that this that his Christ would suffer, he just he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ anointed appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who come after also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made of your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. You killed him, but God sent him to you for your benefit. Mm -hmm. The, but you were ignorant mm -hmm. passage. I think FF Bruce goes this way in his commentary on, on acts. He goes in this way that Peter brings that up. Like you killed him. You killed the author of life. Yeah. This is on you, which we're all witnesses to this. And then he kind of less, he lessens it with the, but you were ignorant in order to bring up because this has been God's plan the whole time. Mm -hmm. Well, and it also relates to God, Jesus saying to the disciples, right of uh their they their eyes have been blinded and their ears have been deafened lest they see do you think we should do just an episode on the phrase when when jesus like he meets with the apostles and he's like and he begins to teach them all that the that the that the old the prophets and the law and the prophets the law and the prophets prophesied about him mm -hmm. con uh, about concerning himself and that Jesus as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, because it's a heavy typology, not obvious connections. Yep. But I think that that could be extremely mm. fruitful because yep. that's that's what he's doing here. Yeah. He makes an illusion that's like offhanded. Yeah, Which, this is obviously, of course, the, the coming Messiah had to suffer. Mm -hmm. And people still today are like, OK, but like where other than Isaiah's suffering servant? OK, yeah. sure. There's the figure in Daniel nine. Well, OK, maybe. Well, no, but what's interesting is that Peter's using typology in both of these. And so you're seeing not only the connection, the the interesting connection between him using David and then him using Moses mm -hmm. is that both of these people reference God references to them and they reference the idea of one is coming after like me or one is coming after like David, right? Of this, there is going to be someone in the future that will be like Moses and you will listen to everything he says. And if you don't, you'll die. <laughs> David, right? The the future son of David will rule the kingdom and his kingdom will never end, 
right? And he will bring peace. If you're his enemy, you'll die. Yeah. And so you've got this, this connection that in the Old Testament, they're waiting for this prophet and they're waiting for this king. And Paul, in Peter in both his sermons is saying these two things that you've been waiting for, these two people in history, these promises of God, are this one man that the whole of the prophets and the law have been speaking about. Hmm. That Jesus is both the Moses prophet that will come after me and the Davidic son of David. Yeah. I think that there's, there's typology, but there's also the progressive parallelism that Christ is the, like not only the, the typological archetypical kind of like the culmination of all things. But, uh, well, it's a yes. And yeah, Um, mm -hmm. it's like, but there's also direct prophecy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he also mentions that he would suffer in reference to the suffering servant. There's also the connection of if he is the author of life, the holy and righteous one, Mm -hmm. then like Moses, yes, he is the representative of God to his people, but he's also God, God. Yeah, he's the perfect representation. Yeah. yeah, yes, he's the son of David, but he's also the son of God. Yes, <laughs> it's yes. so just as the king is like yeah. a pseudo adopted, yeah, yeah, son of 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 God representation. Yeah, yes, there's that, and that that might be one of the reasons why he brings up Samuel in yeah. his sermon. Is there might be that that emphasis? What were picked up from Moses of representation of a of a not just a mediator, but like one who expresses the, the, the will of God to his people. Right. Yes. It is also, um, the, the mention of Samuel attending the, the God's chosen one, um, in reference to David, but it's not quite David. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, let me find it. In verse 25, it says that um, you are sons of the prophet of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with your fathers saying to Abraham. And so, well, there's sons of the prophets. They're not actually sons of the prophets, but they are sons of the covenant of Abraham. And so I think the, the sons imagery there, just to further clarify this, um, I think it has more to do with inheritance is what he's he's drawing on there. Um, hmm. You know, you have been given these prophecies and they were fulfilled before your very eyes, though you were by your own hand, though you were ignorant of them. Yeah. And now that you by these prophecies that you should know before he was glorified, he should suffer. Now he is glorified and is reigning with God. Yeah. Thus, when we say to the lame beggar, rise and walk, and he does in his name, don't be shocked. This is this is the plan. This is it. He's there proven by the lame man walking and clinging on and singing and praising God as Peter's going around saying this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the reference from Samuel is also related to when he gives his prophecy to Samuel about the death of Eli and Phineas. He also tells Samuel, and I will raise up for myself a faithful priest 
who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, James M. Hamilton Jr. Yeah. He picks up that verse yeah. and shows how there's a weird connection between that and maybe connection. There's a connection between that and kingship and yes. the going in and out before the king, the Lord the anointed forever. Yeah. Because um, he says, this person, this person who will raise up and be of my heart and mama will go before my anointed. Mm-hmm. And so, who's the anointed then? <laughs> who, yeah. yeah. Right. And it's the same with the idea of the end of a proverb, Proverbs 30, 30, where it says, um, who is the one who gathers the wind in his hands and what is the name of his son? Mm-hmm. And it's, there's only one person that has gathered the wind in his hands and it's God in Job. And it's the, who is his son? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, who's the one who, what is the name of his sons? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's another one where it's like, okay, but who's he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, no, that's a, that's, that's a direct, this person understands something about God that the rest of the people at the times are not seeing. And the same with this prophet. Yeah. Prophecy to Samuel. Anything more about uh, Peter's sermon? It, it's really cool seeing the Peter, Peter and the disciples and the rest of them not understanding, even to the point of Jesus's death, what the Bible is saying about Christ. And then with the coming of the Holy Spirit, uh, inhabiting them, indwelling, empowering them, their minds are illuminated to the truth. That they are now that Peter is now preaching the inspiration of the Holy spirit. Well, and you get that in his upcoming sermon to mm-hmm. the, uh, to the Sanhedrin. Yeah. Um, there is a quick question just cause I want to ask you guys, I think it's in verse 20, 21. Oh, no 20. Um, I'm gonna, I'll go 19 to 20. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Question. There's an end times thing in there. Mm-hmm. Are we going to, do you think, what are your thoughts when people try to make this verse say, well, all things are not, are not made right. Not all things are, what's the, what's the word that's used here? Um, restored. Mm-hmm. So all things will be restored and then he can move from heaven and come down. Mm-hmm. Cause right now he's up in heaven ruling with God, restoring all things through his ministry of reconciliation in the church. Yeah. But he cannot come down until all things are restored. What do you think? What would you say to people who read this passage like that? Um, that I need to do more study on that passage specifically, <laughs> but I, Jesus has affirmed this multiple times. We saw it with the relationship between John and the Ascension, right? The, I have to go up so the spirit can come down, but also he breathed the spirit on earlier, right? There's, there's a, there's a, in these phrases, there's a couple times where you see this yes now, but not until later already, but not yet. Mm-hmm. 
as we've discussed many times on this podcast. And I think there's, I think this is another one where you see this kind of blurring between we have justification, sanctification is occurring, glorification is coming. Right. People say that's a very alien term. There's nothing in life that's quite like this. I don't think so. Because you can, Mm -hmm. you can, the love between a husband and a wife. Yeah. Back when they are, um, uh, fiancés. Yeah. Is, is different back to even when they were the love that they have when they were just dating. Yeah. Is yes, they do love, but not the same way as Mm -hmm. it will be. Yeah. It's, and it's not necessarily even a difference in kind, (laughs) although there is a fundamental shift brought there. You know what I mean? And so like, it's not, we, we look at these things very mechanically. Yeah. Yeah. We, we want the, the cause and effect. I want the clear line. Give me the science. (laughs) Yeah. But a lot of the things I think with, with life and with history and changes in social connection and obviously theological realities um, is that there is this odd, confusing blurring of the already, but not yet Mm -hmm. of the, I have the thing, but I don't have the thing yet. (laughs) Well, and I think part of it too, is when we, when we divorce the imminent material world that we think we live in with from the transcendent transcendent reality of God Mm -hmm. and his will and the angelic powers as well. When we divorce such things, the already and not yet becomes very weird. When we realize that those things are are not just occurring at the same time, but are intermeshed, it becomes a little more. Yeah. Okay. So it's the transcendent does not play by the same rules as this world. Yeah. And so when God declares it is so, it is. All power and authority has been given unto him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, but Satan is still the power of the air. Yes. And so like, there's, there's this, the relationship between the transcendent and the imminent, like you said, there is a confusion from our end because we don't understand how the transcendent works Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work off simple things like cause and effect. That's a, this Ah. thing. Our understanding of cause and effect. Yes. Yeah. It's not like it's utter chaos with no rules. <laughs> no, no, but that's, that's the difference between mystery and chaos mm. is there's an unknowing in both, but mystery still has order. Hmm. And so. I was just going to say it was glorification. That's, that's <laughs> really yeah. like, I don't know. I guess we could tie the already, but not yet into it, but is it necessary to? Well, I think the justification and glorification is a is a simplified, easy to understand version of the already, but not yet. I'm mm. saved, but also I'm going to be yeah. saved. Applied to one thing. You yeah. are justified, but you are also being justified. Yeah. 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 And, and the sanctified and the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I have the righteousness of Christ. I'm also having the righteousness of Christ being built into me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Chapter four. And... As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. 
But many of those who had heard of the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Yeah. Yep. So the Sadducees, just like with Jesus, don't like people talking about the resurrection of the dead. Yep. Don't like it. <laughs> Stop that. Fair enough. We can't have that. Yeah. Don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's just they continue to follow in, in the steps of Christ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also interesting because the um, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So the Sadducees, these might be the same guys that had the conversation with Jesus. Oh, well, the high priest and... Yeah. And his captain. Yeah, well, his oh, captain. Yeah. But his high, the high priest and his father-in-law, for sure. Yeah. No, but, but I just mean that, like, with here with these Sadducees, these might have been the ones that asked to Jesus. So what do you think? So, like... Oh, that, yeah. 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 The the marriage question and resurrection yeah. and all that stuff. And, and then Jesus is and like... And he is directly opposing their, like, anti-angelic hierarchy stuff, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. well, they believed in angels. It's just the soul didn't become an angel. That's so there's some question around that, right? Not much. Because they don't hold the prophets as. Yeah, but the angels are in, in the Pentateuch. There's angels all For over sure, the there Pentateuch. are angels, yeah. but the it's, angelic hierarchy as described in the prophets oh, is a, they yeah. believe was a carryover from Babylon. As I'm sure. right saying that. Yeah, yeah, but there's a claim that goes around saying that like I mean, they didn't believe in angels. It's like oh. the, the one verse where it's like they didn't believe in the resurrection or in angels. And it's more like. They don't believe you're bodily raised or you become a spiritual being. That's what that verse is yeah. saying. Not, mm -hmm. they don't believe in the resurrection. They also don't believe that there's angelic beings. Yeah. That's not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's... Fair enough. You're right about the, uh, the prophets, though. Yeah. 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 So, there's that. They're actually the true fundamentalists, the real conservative party yeah. of the time. Yeah. It's just weird, because you don't often think about that. And then the Pharisees are what? Orthodox? The Pharisees are actually closer to Christianity than they are to the Sadducees. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like if from, from an outsider looking in, they would have probably thought Jesus was a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. Right? Or functionally until the beginning of his ministry, he may have been considered a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. um, although there's some people that argue he would have been considered an Essene, which is cool. Yeah. But that's that's a little bit more esoteric for this point. Yeah. Depends how much of the Desert <laughs> go, Fathers you Go read. watch our episode on the, on the Jewish Pharisees. sects. Oh, yeah. Good job. <laughs> um, let's continue. <laughs> on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together <laughs> in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander and all who were at the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, rulers of the people uh, and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man is standing before you. Well, man, I bet Peter really wanted to say that to Caiaphas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and he's probably looking at him directly in the eyes, too. Oh, it's. <laughs> yeah 
Man, what do you think Kaifus is feeling right now? Like, we're going to get into it because he's going to respond. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, we'll get there. Um, I think it's important that, that it's pointed out that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, yes. like, Luke makes a big distinction that it's that is the... Do you think a, do you think a little bit of it is also the Holy Spirit is like, you killed... <laughs> ah. like, like, yes, because they killed the Son of God, but also that was what was planned. Well, I mean, but if, if the, if the spirit of God mm -hmm. being put in to the people of God, as described in Ezekiel and yeah. in, and in Jeremiah is that they will be given a passion for the rules and yep. statutes of God, for the things that he desires, um, the love and yeah. glory and worship of his son would yeah. be one of them. And that is the point that, uh, J. Packer makes in keeping in step with the spirit is, is that the. The spirit, what he does is he, like, one of the things that the spirit does is he kind of takes a backseat role and raises the son up, mm -hmm. puts him forward. And so there's a being the helper, being the paraclete. And so you see this really interesting of, like, he's proclaiming through Peter, you killed Christ. Yeah. 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 That it's not just, this is not just Peter speaking, though it is. Mm -hmm. Well, especially because it's now scripture. Yeah. It is an inspired word. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of text there that we're just kind of not commenting on, but it does just kind of speak for itself. So I, I, in case people haven't, aren't exactly thinking about this right now, but Caiaphas and Annas were the ones that arrested Jesus. Yes. They were the ones that planned the crucifixion. They were the ones that manipulated the crowds to yeah. ask for Barabbas instead of Jesus. Yeah. They Which was the, that started cr crying out, crucify me. Like, cru this is crucif crucify him. him. Sorry. Yeah. Um, these are the guys that made fun of Nicodemus um, uh, when he defended Jesus. I really like FF Bruce points out that it's like, technically, they're bought be brought before the Sanhedrin to answer for what they're saying. They're like, hey, you're teaching things that are contrary or at least hot topic in the temple. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? They're on the defense and FF Bruce is just like, anyway, so Peter just comes out swinging on the offense. Yeah. He's just like, Oh, Oh, you caught us doing good things. Well then everyone should know what the good things yeah. that were done. Wait, are for, wait, you're angry that a man got healed. <laughs> you're a, you're <laughs> mean. <laughs> why, why are you angry that a man just got healed? And, and it's, and it's, it's the apostles living out what Jesus told them. Hey, do not, be concerned about what yeah. to say before the rulers and the magistrates. Um, in that time, the spirit will give you, it's will guide also, your utterance. It's also confirmation that what they tried to do with Jesus didn't work. Yeah. That this is confirmation to is, Caiaphas that he's wrong. Is Gamaliel's passage in this? Or is that another time? That, it might come up. Should we continue reading? Probably. I don't okay. think it's in this. I don't remember. This is bad. Uh, I think it's this section, though. <laughs> I'm getting um, my New Testament confused real bad. That is okay. Um, I also... Oh, I did stop at the right time. That was accidental. Okay. Um, let us finish this section. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, <laughs> they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Being... But seeing the men who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. 
But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all that the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it might spread, that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this, in his name, in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened. And for, for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Do you guys find it interesting? <laughs> that it's just straight up. They go, yeah, God did something through him. That's interesting, but shut them up about it. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. I think it's the, the hardness of heart, the it's, level it's, of hardness of it's heart. It's not just the hardness of heart. It's the same as I'm going to make a connection here mm-hmm. with our Samuel series. It's the same as Saul. Mm. I know I'm wrong. Doesn't matter, but it doesn't matter. Like I, like I, I need to, it's he. Caiaphas is trying to hold his grip mm. on the fact that he made, he just killed a man that now he knows is sent by God and prophesied earlier. Yes. That, that he, that one man should die on behalf of the many does the thing. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and, and part of that is like, did he get that prophecy? Because because as it is said that it was first of scripture to be filled like, and that, that his prophecy is correct. That one man does die for everyone. Mm-hmm. He just saying. interpreted it wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah. Also, it, it is interesting that it's like they threaten. What's also not said quite here is I think it's reasonable to conclude as of what's later on spoken mm-hmm. of in scripture, how many people have, even of the priesthood become believers in Christ yeah. and members of the Sanhedrin. You at least have Nicodemus, I would is assumed yeah. here. Um, how many people in that meeting mm-hmm. are also, so they, they say the people, right? Yeah. Cause I, like all Jerusalem knows what, what like you healed this dude and you were loud about how, S- why, and who. So yeah. here's the thing. the, it mentions in verse four, there's about 5,000. Yeah. Um, the number of men came to about 5,000 who believed there. So that could be 5,000, like 2,000 on top of the 3,000 mentioned in the chapter two, mm-hmm. or it's now 8,000 people. Mm-hmm. If that is the case, a historical note, it, the entirety of Israel, as presented by uh, the Bible backgrounds commentary, Keener, Keener there is only six to 8,000 Pharisees. Yeah. So in a week, like within a couple months of Jesus's death and resurrection, they outnumber the second most powerful political class in Israel. Yeah. And that's not to, not to mention the fence sitters. Yeah. Which especially in an event like this, it's probably a lot, it's probably a lot going like, wow, that's, this is wild. Awesome. Yeah. God's moving. What does that mean? I don't know yet. I have to think about it. This is not only from Rome's perspective, but from Israel's perspective, 
this is a complete blindside, unforeseeable consequence. They have a whole new political political party. I say in quotes, um, they have a whole new ideological frame that has just launched into the land mm-hmm. with no warning. Oh, yeah, we, no, there's no borders that have been able to set up. No the, checks that they've set up in advance. How, and nobody knows how to deal with this. How are you going to play this out? How's like now you have a group that is as powerful as the Pharisees. That's well, no, because the majority of them are poor. The majority yeah, of them yeah. are. Yeah. Except that the Pharisees directly would go to the lower class people. Yeah. But that families. doesn't mean that they themselves were poor. No, no, no. no. Yeah. But what I mean is, is that they're taking out their voter base. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is true. Um, but it's in, in numer in numbers. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the scary part I think is they're competing for the same quote unquote clientele. Yes. And numbers of the of the Pharisees are also converting. Yep, but also the 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 beliefs of the people towards the Yahweh mm. are different. This is going to upend the culture of Israel. Mm-hmm. Wait, we're not we're not obeying the law anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, what are who we are we then? About? Who are we? Yeah, yeah. well, and, and, you're going to you're going to bring in another exile, and that becomes that becomes the Judaizers thing. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. if we're not following the law of Moses, who are we? And yeah. then that's where you get Paul's, hey, you're Christians, you're in Christ. You're not yeah. Jew or Gentile. Yeah. You're not disobeying the law, yeah. but fulfilling it and to the letter of the, the Pharisaical code is not the purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Historically speaking, this is insane. Yeah. Not just biblically. Um, yeah. So that brings us to the last section. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant said by the Holy spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant on their servants, on your servants, to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they'd gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, continued to speak the word of God in boldness, with boldness. Yeah. All aboard the hype train. Anyway, um, (laughs) It is a hype up speech, a little bit. When the earth will continue to do in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And why did the Gentiles plot in rage? Or why did the Gentiles rage? Why did the people plot in vain? This can't be stopped. (laughs) Yeah. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. Mm -hmm. Another one of those interesting and to be honest with you it's they do threaten them like they threaten them yeah. and then there's a note that and when they threaten them further mm-hmm. and so 
what happens? They go, okay, so they're plotting their scam. They're, 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 they're scheming against us. They're threatening us with real harm. Yeah. They killed Jesus. Yeah. They're, they're about to kill James. Yeah. The threat's real. Mm-hmm. And they go to, they go to God going, well, protect us. Their schemes, their plots, their rage, yeah. whatever. It's nothing compared to you, your plan and your anointed. Yeah. Also predestined. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I guess there's a bit of a predestined flavor text there. You know what that means, right? Peter's a Calvinist. Okay. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> Only if you'll call him Pope. <laughs> no. Wait, uh, Calvin or Peter? <laughs> no. Uh, here's a question for, I guess, I think this would go, I don't know how this would fit into the majority of our pneumatology. Okay. The phrase at the end in verse 31 and when they uh, sorry and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and continued to speak the word of god with boldness so there's a subsection of more charismatic thinking that would go there is no definitive subsequent experience of the holy spirit Mm -hmm. like the baptism of the holy spirit that pentecostals often articulate there is a ever continuing experience of the Holy Spirit that is akin to baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it isn't a definite event that happens in the person's life. Yeah. It is a continuous series of Holy Spirit events where they are empowered and emboldened and encouraged to share the gospel. Yeah. Thoughts. I think it's also, this is the, this is the, this group because these people have already had acts two. that's the that's that's the correlation that i'm asking about yes however this is also the group that is the five thousand that have been added maybe probably yeah but eh, the verse kind of gives not more of a credence the verse kind yeah. of gives more of a credence to that core group that just got yeah. um threatened i think it's in those deep moments there are there are moments in your life as a Christian where God at his own desire, because they don't necessarily ask for that experience. They don't necessarily ask for that. They just ask for the protection. Blah. Um, and that, that filling that instance of experience is the assurance of God known in them okay. is that they're experiencing quote unquote, an answer to a prayer. Yeah. Thus the boldness mentioned afterwards yeah. of preaching the word. Yeah. That they, they're they're They immediately saw that God responded to their prayer. Yeah. Hmm. Thoughts, Joel. Yeah. I don't know. Holy spirit. Boldness is a bit of a buzzword for Pentecostals for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what do you make of the filled part? I think there is a continued infilling of the Holy spirit. It's not a definitive baptism of the Holy spirit. Well, it's not a one-time event. If that's what you're saying. Right. Like the subsequent experience of the Holy spirit is not one and done, right? You are continuing to be filled okay. with the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Okay. Okay. Like the, there's a, I don't know, I've heard it preached kind of his mercies are made new every morning. Yeah. Um, or great. It's not mercy. What is it? Something's made new every morning. <laughs> I don't know. Bengals, I guess. Um, and it's not, but it's not a, have you been baptized with the spirit? Cause people ask that question in yeah. like charismatic circles and that's like a, and in, 
It's not have you been. I think boldness is a continuation of that feeling. But that's like, yes, that's that's a consequence normally articulated in charismatic circles as part of the baptism of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Yeah. Um, but j- at least from what I've read, baptism of the Holy Spirit is articulated as like a one and done. And then your relationship with the Holy Spirit afterwards has highs and lows. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a one and done thing. No. Okay. It, it's, it's an outpouring of the Spirit. And I think that... Okay. If you're going to go, because the whole thing is just analogy on top of analogy, it's an overflowing, yeah. right? An I'm, outpouring. I'm not saying that's what I think. I'm just trying I'm, to. I'm telling you mm-hmm. what I've heard, right? Okay. Like, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The, the, and again, if the continuous, we're not saying in no way this should be taken as um, that, oh, I've had it. I've, I've been filled with the spirit three times. I'm better now. Like I'm a better Christian. I've got the, I've got the third level in no way. Is that what people are describing here? This is just, but there are people that take it. Joel Austin's fresh anointing that God is going to freshly anoint you again and again and again. And that there's, there's levels to this game and it's not, it's, it's continuous. This is sanctification. This is continuous uprooting of sin and Christ taking up root, the Holy Spirit taking up root in his new house, his new temple. So. Yeah. And I think that there's a, if we're, if we are going to talk about Pentecostal thought on this section, it is that the Holy Spirit is, is for boldness and for ministry. Mm -hmm. There's not this idea that it is in you. And then you just get to kind of keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that is so antithetical to the It's not a set of superpowers that you get to use whenever you want. It's a person that is acting in you. Very good job. It's good. not that you use it whenever you want. It's that the only way to use it is to spread it. You know what I'm, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I right? just meant like, that like there's... The gifts that he gives is for the edification of the church. And I'm not, I'm yeah. not talking about like yeah. speaking in tongues specifically. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's how you know you've got Holy Spirit boldness is if you'll say words you don't understand to people. <laughs> right. I, it's it is well which is why it happens here in that they spoke in tongues and then the holy spirit gave bold words bold, yeah. boldness he also the holy spirit fills peter into speaking the sermon uh no it's not an active verb in there it's a filled past tense you'd want to look in greek of course to verify that but yeah yeah then it's peter a reference filled with to, the holy spirit it's a yeah. i think it's a reference to he has already been that had already been, or it's the idea that the Holy Spirit is acting in him in this moment. Yeah. That it's both of those can be true. Yes. In the, in, especially yeah. in the mind of the author who's yeah. not thinking about asking this specific question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is good. I mean, nice. I'm so excited to continue on with Acts. Yeah. Yes. Good. I'm excited for more Peter sermons. Yeah. yeah. Sermons and Acts are just. Oh, so, so good. we are cutting it off a bit early here. We're not going right to chapter five. Yep. Which we're not forgetting about. It's just thematically those last few verses tie into chapter five better. Is that how we're going? Yeah. Th- there's a, I think that there's a natural parallel mm. to um, Ananias and Sapphira. Okay. Right. Cool. Healthy community, unhealthy, broken community in the, in the quote unquote, in, in the church and how that is dealt. Cool. So we'll deal with that next episode then. Yeah. Interesting. Beautiful. Um, we don't have any more last words. We just want the media plug now from our beautiful member, Joel. 
<laughs> I don't know if I've. Anyways, <laughs> the beautiful member. <laughs> the beautiful member. <laughs> like the beautiful gate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. The, the beautiful what? Like the beautiful gate. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, here's our media plug. <laughs> Um, yeah, check us out at uh, secondratesage.com uh, to see everything that we're doing, our weekly episodes. Uh, we've got some blog posts and book reviews up there. If you'd like to check out what we're doing um, on our socials, we are on Instagram and Twitter. Um, if you'd like to contribute to the financial growth of um, Second Rate Saints, I guess it's not even financial. I, I don't know. The growth help, of Second Rate Saints. Help us get better uh, equipment. Yeah, if you don't like how this sounds, <laughs> go to buymeacoffee.com. You can't see where we're struggling here. <laughs> yeah, slash second rate saints. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what this uh, looks like for 2024. Um, second rate saints is, is going to be something, I think. This is our year. This is the year we take over the world. That's we were that saving that for later. Joel, Josh, was, end the podcast before he reveals our secrets. Joel, was that a threat? Josh is really the beautiful one. I couldn't do it. Josh just started shaking his head. Wow. Snorkel wave.